This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really, and even some non-sports cards too. On top of that, every raw card receives the same hand grading that collectors have put their trust in for over 15 years. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com auctions and check it out for yourself. What's up, everyone? This is episode 167 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Well, um, I've had a lot of fun over the course of this last month when it comes to episodes. And thank you to those of you that have been along for the ride. I've had a a pair of fun guests and collector-oriented guests in Jake Roy and Alex Connell. Uh, I've got to talk a little bit about the Refractor project I've started. Um, So now that all of that has come and gone, I guess I could say that Panini and I have something in common. We both have a little catching up to do. Uh, They've got to get their products back on the market in a timely manner. And then I have to talk about them. I feel like I haven't talked much about new releases in a while. Uh, That's hard to do, though, when there aren't a lot of new releases, but um, they're starting to get them out and and finally get them to the public now. So I feel like now is as good a time as any for that. So that will be today's main segment. Uh, Before I get there, though, I've got a few smaller segments that I want to share with you. First up, I want to offer some quick thoughts about the LeBron Triple Logo Man poll. From there, I'm going to talk about a small show I set up at this past weekend. I hadn't done that in a while, so I felt like it was time. And then after that, I've got a few pieces of mail I want to talk about, including a trade I made with a listener for a pair of 9697 Topps Chrome Refractors. And then as usual, I've got another installment of Collector Classifieds. Okay, first things first. Let's get this Triple Logo Man business out of the way. This thing has already been talked about to death on on social media, I think, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I figure I should at least mention it, seeing as I watched that stupid seven-hour break where they were trying to pull it. Um, As you know, that break was unsuccessful, probably in more ways than one. Um, So it was time for a different company or a different platform to try their hand at a triple Logo Man publicity stunt. And this time it was the WhatNot app. And you might remember, Owen and I talked a little bit about the good the bad and the ugly parts of the platform. I'll let you figure out you know, where you want to place this latest spectacle on that scale. But um, Whatnot created a bounty contract for this card that read as follows. Number one, they said open a flawless NBA briefcase on Whatnot. Number two, pull the one-of-one triple um, LeBron triple logo man. Number three, the buyer and the giveaway winner keeps the card. And then number four, the seller wins a free Lamborghini. Um, I guess the thinking here was top tier cards equal top tier of cars. Maybe the next time they do a hoops break, they can give away a 92 Camry every time they hit a red back. Anyway, 
Um, they had all sorts of influencers and breakers ripping these boxes. Everyone from Card Collector 2 to Sasha T and all, you know, all sorts of fun faces and personalities of the social media hobby world. My understanding was that, um, you know, if it was pulled by one of these people, the card then had to be sold on the platform in order for the influencer to get the Lamborghini, which from what I've told was unlikely. So it was a nice little strategic play on whatnot's end. Um, as it turns out, though, the card was pulled on the app and by the backyard breakers of all people. And if, if that name doesn't sound familiar, they're the screaming crop top wearing guys that pulled a Trevor Lawrence kaboom and, and tried to keep it for themselves. Um, I'd play the audio of this LeBron triple logo man pull for you here, but I need your ears for future episodes. Now, I know there have been a lot of conspiracies that this was some sort of a plant, but I don't think that's the case at all. You know, I think it would have been a bigger deal had a number of other people pulled it. Either way, though, I want to read a quote from one of the press releases that followed this poll. It came from Eric Shimtov, who's the head of sports at Whatnot. He said, quote, We're thrilled for the entire sports card hobby, especially the Whatnot community, that the chase for the LeBron Triple Logo Man concluded on our platform. That This is what the hobby is all about, finding rare cards that galvanize this passionate community. We're proud to create an environment where these moments can happen. They're proud of that environment. Now, I'm not here to bash whatnot. In fact, I'm going to compliment them for something I saw on their platform in the very next segment. But when I read something like this that leans heavy into the community rhetoric, it prompts me to ask the same questions that I ask when guys like Blez and Layton talk about family or community in their business ventures. What kind of community are you really targeting here? Because groups like this, the ones that we see you know, often on this app and the ones that pulled this card, they're sort of perpetuating this frat boy persona that I think the hobby, and more importantly in this case, apps like Whatnot would be better off leaving in the past. But instead, they're promoting them. I've said it before and I'll say it again. More streaming, less screaming, please. I've got a real quick recap today of the Seminole Sports Card Show that I went to this past weekend in Seminole, Florida. I've talked about this show before, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail with the the venue and all that, but it is a Saturday-only show, which works really well for me, and it's at a kind of like a recreation center or like a YMCA, so plenty of space, plenty of tables. The tables are cheap. So it's just a really ideal show for me because you know, I'm not a full-timer at this. I just do it as a hobby. I set up every few months. And um, I decided, though, that I really needed to set up this month because I've got some stuff of guys like Jalen Brunson and Jordan Poole and even Ja Morant where you know I don't think their prices are going to be much higher anytime soon, and I want to take advantage of that. So that was my plan, and it ended up working out really well. Uh, my you know, business at my table was fairly steady throughout the day, and I moved all of my Brunson stuff, all of my pool stuff, all of my Ja Morant stuff. Those were the guys that people were asking for. And it was interesting, you know, the negotiations that went along with those players because um, the people that were buying them in some cases were trying to tell me, hey, these cards are going to go down eventually. And, you know, my thinking was, yes, I know, that's why I'm selling them. And you probably shouldn't be buying them. But, 
you know, everyone has their own reasons for buying. And, and I did leave some margins on those cards so people could go out and if they can flip them quick, they'd probably make a little bit as well. So hopefully it's a win-win for everyone involved. I am rooting for the people that buy from me. I think that's a good strategy overall. Um, strangely enough, I did not buy any cards at this show, which is abnormal for me. Usually I at least walk away with something. I didn't do a lot of digging. I did kind of go around a couple times, but there wasn't really anything that stood out to me. And instead of forcing myself to buy something, I, I tried to uh, practice a little bit of restraint. And I said, you know what, I'll save that money for something that I want a lot more. Uh, there were some people in there that were doing some buying and they were doing it uh, in an interesting way. They were apparently streaming the entire show on the Whatnot app. Um, they were going around and just showing people cards. Uh, apparently they had 120 people in their room. They were showing people cards and having them bid on them. And, uh, you know, a lot of dealers were, were able to make some money because of that. It, it was like bringing 120 people into that room that weren't physically there. So I've seen people on Blowout complain about this before, but um, all in all, I think it's a great strategy. It helps the dealers out. It brings money into the room uh, and it moves their cards and the dealers don't have to ship them. Whoever was running the whatnot stuff, they're, you know, they're taking the cards with them and they're doing all the shipping. So um, all in all, you know, it was a fun weekend. Uh, it worked out well for me. I got to move some stuff. I saw this whole, you know, this whatnot thing here, which was interesting to me. So all in all, a great experience. And hopefully you're able to live vicariously through that, uh, even through these last three minutes here. In that last little bit there, I mentioned saving money for something I really wanted. Uh, there's a good chance I take some of it and add it to my balance at checkout my cards. After all, there's never any shortage of things for me to buy there. So I want to take a few moments today to remind you that comc.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all types of trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 28 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a comc.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. For more info, you can check them out on social media under the handle at CheckOutMyCards. Okay, on to the mail. Um, I know I've already messaged him privately, but I want to start by extending another thank you to Matt, aka Sports Card Legend, this week. Um, he sent me a real thoughtful package that included some Lana Sports ABA cards, which, if you remember, I talked to Scott Tarter about those. Um, and then he also sent me a pretty unique John Stockton piece. So Matt and I have some pretty similar tastes, and um, you know, I just thought that was very kind of him to do that. So thanks again, Matt. All right, as for the rest of the mail. I've been thinking about something Alex said on last week's episode regarding his 2013 Pinnacle Auto set, where, you know, he more or less said, if I want to grab something cheap, I can grab one of the lesser ones. If I want to purchase something in the $50 range, I can. And then, of course, there are some bigger ones in the set, like Giannis, um, which that's what he did end up buying. Now, I realize that my refractor project I've been talking about is the same way. There are a few rare Reggies or Paul Georges that might cost me, you know, $100 or $200, but there are quite a few cards beneath that range, you know, anywhere from 50 cents to 20 or 30 bucks. So if I'm itching to get some mail and want to save my money for something down the road, I can grab a few cheap fillers here and there. That way I don't spend an arm and a leg and I still get that little dopamine rush in the mailbox that we all know and love. And one thing I tried to do this past week then is to track down some of the cheaper, earlier stuff that might be a little harder to find. 
Stuff that's priced reasonably, but I don't think I'll be able to find at a card show. And today's mail segment is a good representation of that approach. Uh, the first card I want to talk about today was an eBay purchase that cost somewhere around $20 shipped. It is a 2004-2005 Bowman Chrome Refractor of Reggie Miller, number to 300. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that, you know, I never really got much into Bowman Chrome because it always felt like one of the lesser Chromium brands to me, but, you know, looking back, I probably should have paid more attention. There are some components of Bowman Chrome that differentiate it from Topps Chrome that maybe I didn't appreciate as much as I should have. And one reason I've, I've kind of stayed away from this particular Reggie card in the past, and even the gold version, is because it features a photo of Reggie dunking. And that's not really how I want to remember Reggie, save for maybe the, the playoff dunk against the Nets. That one was pretty clutch. Um, it, it's funny, a couple days after I bought this card, Reggie was on the Dan Patrick Show, as he is every week, and he, they talked a little bit about dunking. And Reggie mentioned the Nets dunk and said that that was probably his last dunk, where he also said, you know, that he should have dunked against Tayshon in the Eastern Conference Finals, but he didn't have enough left in the tank by that point. Ugh, pain. Um, now, apparently the Nets dunk wasn't his last one, though, because there's this shot of him dunking at some point in 2004. It's on this Bowman Chrome card. I did a little digging, and, and the picture's actually from a 2004 playoff game against Boston. Um, you know... At first, I hated this photo because it was a shot of a dunk, but doing this refractor project has forced me to form a second opinion about some of these. I suppose, you know, it's something different than all the other Reggie cards. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's numbered to 300, so it's a lot more limited than some of the others, too. And I feel like I got a good deal, so I'm happy. Uh, this is a purchase I probably wouldn't have been all that excited about a year ago. So, you know, we all change in the hobby, our tastes change, our situations change. Just keep that in mind. It's kind of like taste. You know, they say your your palate or your taste buds or whatever change every seven years. Maybe it's the same thing for cards as well. Um, now, continuing the trend of cards that are a little more limited than others, the second eBay purchase I got in this week was a 2012-2013 Prism Silver of George Hill. And I didn't mention this in my previous episode, but the estimated print run on these is somewhere around 180. And there are people that have used pack odds and box breaks to sort of um, reverse engineer these boxes and calculate how many greens and silvers are out there. That makes this one of the rarer cards that I'm chasing down. Uh, there were a couple that I was watching on ComC, and then this one showed up on eBay with the chance to make an offer. After a little back and forth, I was able to get it for around $10 shipped, and I figured, you know what, if I saw this at a show for that price, I would have pounced on it. So... That was a, a, a pretty good deal. And it also brings me one step closer to finishing the 2012 Prism Silver set for the Pacers. I think I'm missing two now, Miles Plumley and Paul George. Uh, now, Plumley is not all that hard to come by. I think there's been a couple out there, or maybe there's even a couple out there right now. I guess I'm just holding out for a cheaper copy. And the same goes for Paul George. I keep seeing PSA 10s and SGC 10s for him. I don't need one that's graded. It's going in a binder. So, you know, I really don't want to buy a tin and pay that premium and then crack it out and put it in the binder. I know there are people out there that would probably enjoy that tin as is. So if you have a cheaper Paul George that you're looking to move, feel free to message me and hopefully we can work out some sort of transaction. And speaking of transactions, that's exactly what happened with the last two cards I'm going to talk about today. 
Shortly after my Refractor Binder episode aired, a listener of the show named Alan reached out to me on my YouTube channel and said that he had 9697 Topps Chrome Refractors of Rick Smith's and Mark Jackson. So we started emailing back and forth, and he shared with me that the Collector Classified segments inspired him to go look at the Chrome Refractors he bought 20 years ago. I guess he had started the set and, and he never finished them. And, and you know, like all of us, he had taken a break from the hobby. So he's back now. Um, he also mentioned he said he had kept them out of direct sunlight. He's kept them in good environments. So they hadn't greened much at all. And he sent me pictures and, and they hadn't. Um, so that was a pleasant surprise because some of the, I've, I've said it many times, the Rick Smith's refractors can be rough. Um, so Alan offered me a fair price, but he also mentioned that he had never traded before as an adult. And he wanted to do so at, at one point. So, you know, I, I figured, hey, what better time than now? So I asked for a list of players he collected. One of them was Alan Iverson. And I just so happened to still have some cards of him from that Starbucks purchase I talked about a long time ago. Um, and he remembered that episode. So, you know, that was kind of fun to for both of us to reminisce on that. But um, I gave him a couple options for my Iverson cards and we worked out a deal. So thanks again, Alan. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And for everyone listening, let this be a reminder that whatever actions you're taking in the hobby right now, whatever deals you're making, uh, whatever relationships you're forming, there's a good chance they'll move you closer to your hobby goals. And that includes goals that have already been stated uh, and then maybe goals that will be created in the future. Because think about it. I had zero plans for a Pacers refractor binder back when I made that Starbucks deal. But here we are. Hey there, my fellow, as my wife calls it, recycling collectors. This is Josh with For the Love of Cardboard on Instagram. That's the number four, the love of cardboard. I am a Delante West collector, most likely the only one out there. So if you've got any rarer Delante Wests, I have a pretty good chunk right now, but a lot of the higher, lower print cards I'm definitely on the search for, especially one of ones. Got a handful, but tons of them I'm still looking for. So if any of you have any that you have or have any leads on any, definitely hit me up on Instagram messages. And I'm also under the username Never Forget Delante on Trading Card Database. So if you go on there, you can see what ones I have and which ones I need. That would be awesome. Thanks for this opportunity, Kyle. Well, uh, Josh is exactly right here. It's not every day you come across a Delante West collector, or every week, or every month, or every year for that matter. I know Delante has been in the news some in the last few years because he's fallen on hard times, and chances are some of you didn't even know him as a basketball player. But, um, you know, I want you to know that, that he and Jameer Nelson formed a pretty formidable duo at St. Joe's back in the early 2000s. They went 27-0 during the regular season in 2003-2004. Uh, Delante had to defer a little bit to Jameer, but they both averaged near 20 points per game, and uh, Delante was the younger of the two, I think just by a year. After that, they both declared for the 2004 draft, and they went 20th and 24th respectively. Delante ended up on the Celtics, and he had a couple of decent years. They moved him back and forth between point guard and shooting guard, uh, and then, you know, Rondo emerged, and that was kind of the end of that. But he turned into a good defender and a decent shooter. He bounced around to a couple of teams, including a real good Cavs team. You know, he had some behavior issues, and those kind of plagued him from time to time. He then made a couple unsuccessful comeback attempts, and then there were some photos that made the rounds online that uh, indicated he was not doing well at all. Well, uh, Mark Cuban actually paid for his rehab. He went and picked him up at a gas station, paid for his rehab, um, and tried to set him up with the job. 
I know he's been in a little trouble since then, but the last I saw, Delonte was trying out for this season of the Big Three. I guess, you know, we started this segment off looking for Delonte West cards and, and things kind of got a little dark, but a lot of times we use hobbies like collecting to unwind and build relationships and all that good stuff. Uh, similarly, Delonte has his demons, but I hope this newest venture with the Big Three League is a good thing for him. And I hope it gives him a good distraction to help kind of keep him on the right track. All right, before I move into today's main segment, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. This is Slick Leonard. You're listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Boom, baby! Okay, as I mentioned earlier, I want to take some time today to run through this year's release calendar or at least what we know about it so far. Uh, This is by no means buying advice. You know, if I say that I like something, that doesn't mean go and buy this product necessarily. In fact, I would have told you to stay away from ripping wax even before the boom, because in general, the ROI on this stuff is not good. I'd say now it's absolutely brutal, but you will likely find some nice stuff that makes its way to the secondary market, so I think it's worth addressing. Um, It took Panini a while to get started with this year's releases. You know, they were already behind from last year, and I thought they should have just cut some products out of the rotation, but they didn't. And nonetheless, things are moving now. I think last year we got something like 28 pro products, and then at least a handful of college sets, which means we've got a long way to go if we're going to maintain a similar pace. If they plan on releasing 28 products again, and they're able to somehow put out one a week, which doesn't seem likely at all, that would put the final release in late October. I just don't see that happening, but who knows? They could surprise us. And so far, we've seen about seven or eight pro sets with a few college ones mixed in. I'm going to skip over some of the collegiate products, so you know my apologies to anyone that's really into those. There's only so much time, though. Um... So let's, you know, let me talk about some of the, the the main sets here, some of the pro sets that are already out. As you guys know, we started this season off with hoops in late December, and I've talked a little bit about that design already. You know, it's kind of a retro design, which I liked, and the product as a whole is about what you would expect from hoops. Take that for what you will. After that, we got Elite in February, which I talked about some already with, with Sholi, so Um, I still haven't tracked down any of the jersey-numbered status or aspirations parallels for the Pacers that I set out to chase. I think he's still looking for some, too. But um, overall, I feel like they did a decent job of maintaining the feel of that product from previous years. And then they added lenticular cards, which was pretty cool, too. Um, After Elite, we got Donruss, which, you know, is, is a product you can probably still find on shelves if you want to. I know I've seen it a few times, and I've left it. I've never been a big fan of Donruss, even though, you know, some of the lasers and some of the the flood parallels or whatever look nice. Um, You know, keep in mind the next day autos aren't really next day autos anymore. And I talked about that already on a previous segment. This product has always felt redundant to me. 
You know, it's kind of like hoops, and this year was no exception. So then moving along after that, we got Origins in March and then Contenders in April. I thought Origins looked really good this year, uh, and I was tempted to pick up one of the RPAs for Chris Duarte or Isaiah Jackson, except they're still using unworn relics and sticker autos, so uh, that's a no-go for me. The silver on-card autos, though, those I liked. Um, Now, Contenders, on the other hand, I didn't, and I don't have much to say about that. That's just a matter of a personal preference, I suppose, but that's never been much of an important product to me. All right, then in late April, we got a couple of products back-to-back. There was the reboot of Topps Finest, which I talked about with Alex last week. I think Topps needs to be cautious with stuff like this because at some point, even nostalgia has its limits. And I, you know, I skipped talking about the new Topps Chrome Overtime Elite product, but I think that last statement applies to that as well. So, you know, just tops be kind of careful with that i understand you're trying things out um but people are going to stop buying nostalgia after so long if there's no substance to go with it so anyway um then we got revolution back to panini we got revolution which has been a big hit with a lot of people in the past it used to be a cheaper product with rare on-card autos and an assortment of cosmic themed parallels well we still get the cosmic theme this year but the majority of the autos were stickers And they didn't hide them well either. The cards weren't designed for sticker autos. So, you know, that kind of disappointed me. Um, I will say, though, as an Indiana fan, I was impressed that they got Tyrese Halliburton in a Pacers jersey. Yes, I'm sure it was Photoshopped, but I'm okay with that. It's a good-looking Photoshop. And that trade took place on February 8th. So that means they edited the photo and printed the product and packed it all out in the span of 11 weeks. So, you know... Very impressed by that, especially when you compare it to the case of T.J. Warren, who was traded to the Pacers in June of 2019 and wasn't actually pictured as a Pacer until, I think, Mosaic in May of 2020, which is almost an entire calendar year. And no, that wasn't a pandemic thing either. That product was pieced together before everything shut down. So anyway, they got it right in Revolution. They got the picture right, at least. The base and the parallels look good. The autos are garbage. Um... Last Wednesday, then, we got Court Kings, which used to be one of my favorite releases. It's been on a steady decline, though, since probably around 2018. Um, This is the one product I've seen the most of this year so far. I know earlier or some point this weekend, um, I didn't watch full breaks, but I watched recaps of full breaks, which of maybe five or six cases. And, um, you know, as you'd expect, the different level rookies look good. But the autos are all stickers, which once again cheapens the product quite a bit for me, especially when you have auto sets with themes like fresh paint. It just doesn't fit. You're going to notice the sticker theme here. I don't like the sticker autographs. Most people don't. Um, They really detract from from the set and really from the value of a set. I would be willing, you know, hey, like, how about let's have less autographs if we could get more autos on card? I think that's a reasonable trade that people would be happy with, but... Um, I don't think we're going in that direction. In fact, I would, I would venture to say that they're probably dumping a bunch of old stickers that they already have in their inventory. Anyway, um, after Court Kings, we got another, um, product that has a lot of stickers, but this one intrigues me a little bit more. It's a leaf product called leaf metal. And we've seen leaf metal products before. I I remember one, especially in 2012 that had a lot of on-card autos of legends, 
which I thought was a you know pretty nice looking product, even though there were no logos, they were all photoshopped out. But um, this one is not Legends, though. It focuses more on autographs of high school and college prospects, and that's for both the men's and women's game. Um, I don't really see myself chasing anyone in this product, but there's a part of me that likes what Leaf is doing here. They're taking full advantage of the new NIL rules. They got these guys to sign a ton of stickers for cheap, uh, and they're probably going to make them available you know, before most of the players have any pro cards out, even any instant cards. Think about it. Panini's probably not going to be working on 2022 stuff until maybe the end of the year, maybe November, right? And then the day I'm recording this, we got Crown Royale. So I, I pretty much have to depend on the sell sheet for any info as of right now. And I'm not a big fan of die cut sets in general. So this isn't really the product for me. Um, I think the Kabooms look awesome. And I say that cautiously because I'm I'm not a ka, you know Kaboom fanboy. Um, I know there's a lot of hype around them. The last couple years or, the, or so, though, for Kabooms have seemed really uninspired, to say the least. So this iteration has been retooled a little bit, and it looks really, really good in the preview. Uh, and that brings us to today. So everything going forward is going to be classified as an upcoming release. And I'm going to be very straightforward with you here. The, the tone of the remainder of this segment isn't going to be great. The state of the basketball card world as a whole, you know, as far as manufacturing goes, isn't in a great spot. As I mentioned before, Panini's way behind. They have a lame duck license. And a lot of the features that have given these products value in the past, like autographs being on card, uh, they just aren't there anymore. And with that being said, I'm still going to try and pick some things that I like from every product review, even if it's small. I think we should at least try and celebrate the things that are done right. Um, and then I also want to say before I, I talk about the upcoming releases here, thanks to Ryan Cracknell at Beckett Media. He does a great job of taking product reviews and release dates and organizing them all together in one spot. And I reference a lot of his work when trying to piece this together. Um, so thank you once again, Ryan. He is a fun follow on Twitter where he posts under the handle at Trader Cracks. So you want to make sure to give him a follow and be on the watch for any updates in real time. Okay, so as far as right now, we only have information about six upcoming products, and the majority of them are not Panini. I figure the day after I record this, we'll, you know, we'll get a batch of like five product reviews, but it is what it is. I can cover the rest of the season at a later date if I need to. As for what we do know, um, let's start on May 18th, which is very soon here, where we're slated to receive not one, but two products released in one day. And the first is Panini Impeccable, which looks like it's going to have, you know, some of the same elements from previous years. It's an autograph-heavy set. And fingers crossed, the mock-ups look like they're all on card. You know, so I've been beating that drum already. Sticker autos are bad. Sticker autos are bad. Here we go. Hopefully this is on card. They look like they're going to be. And then also the other thing that we're going to see again is cards that have metal in them in some capacity, whether they're actually made, you know, whether the card itself is metal or the cards have that little silver or gold bar in them. Uh, the second product that we're going to get on that day, May 18th, is the first ever installment of Topps Inception Basketball. Except it's for the Overtime Elite League, which kind of like that. It's the same league that was in that Topps Chrome product. So the star power won't be there. Um, which is funny, I, I opened a blaster of, of Chrome on my YouTube and I made some passing comment like, hey, there, you know, there's really no star power in this. 
and I didn't tag Overtime Elite or anything. And they, of all videos, they found my video and watched several minutes in and, and critiqued that comment, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> it's kind of strange for, you know, a, a company or a league to be hunting out videos like that. So anyway, that was a funny surprise one day. They are out there watching. They are out there looking at feedback, but, you know, they really don't have anything to do with the cards, though. Um, so anyway, you know, it is Overtime Elite that's going to be in inception as well and and I don't see this as anything more than a test to see what they would look like in basketball because after all tops is going to need some more mid-end and high-end basketball sets when they eventually take things over all right a week after that though is a product that a lot of people get pretty excited for myself included at times and that is of course prism and it features the same base design as the wwe set that's already come out um, I thought all of the vertical cards looked good in that release, but the design, in my opinion, didn't work well for the horizontal ones. Um, I doubt we see many of those for basketball anyway, but who knows? You know, we had that, the uh, iconic LeBron Kobe tribute dunk was a horizontal card, so maybe we'll be getting some more again. Who knows? But uh, the sell sheet already got a lot of negative attention because it featured a poorly photoshopped Cade Cunningham rookie that had a bunch of TCU college stuff in the background, including the court. Um, we're going to hope that they were able to correct that before the product was printed. I'm willing to wager they weren't. So that will be a fun reveal either way. I'm more interested to see what the 75th anniversary parallels look like, which uh, apparently there's two of them, or there's an insert set and a parallel, I think. Up to this point, all of them, you know, all of the 75th themed cards have been pretty underwhelming. But, um... After that, we don't have exact dates yet, but we know that at some point in May, we're going to get another pair of Leaf releases that feature a lot of the same high school and college players that are going to be in Leaf Metal. Um, the first one is called Leaf Memories, and it utilizes a number of early 90s Leaf designs from other sports. And then the second one is called uh, Pro Set Power, because Leaf bought that Pro Set um, intellectual property, so now they're using that for a lot of sets. Now, like I said earlier, I'm probably not going to be chasing these, though I might change my tune once the Pacers are done on draft night, who knows, but I like what Brian Gray and his team are working to accomplish, primarily making sure that this stuff is out and readily available come draft night, which is smart because one, you know, that's when there's a lot of buzz around these players, and then two, once the pro stuff comes out, the unlicensed stuff, you know, could potentially lose a lot of its value. Um, speaking of pro stuff, that brings us to the last release that we know about, or at least that we have concrete information about, and that's Panini Noir, um, which is projected to come out on June 3rd. It looks like it's going to feature a lot of the same stuff that we're used to. You know, I figure people will go crazy over the sneaker spotlight cards again. Um, you know, who knows? I, I, you know, you can never predict with people and, and how they're going to react, but, um, past history is a good indicator, so... We'll just have to see. Um, all right, so like I said, that's all we know at the moment. And I, I think we can expect to see a lot of the same releases that we have in past years that have become staples, you know, like National Treasures, Immaculate, Flawless, Obsidian, Illusions, Optic, and so on and so on. Um, my hope for the rest of this release calendar is that we can get some game-worn rookie stuff a little bit sooner. I'm going to assume National Treasures is still going to be unworn, um, you know, they didn't have the big flashy photo shoot to get the relics. And then, um, you know, for National Treasures, they send those RPAs out way far in advance because they're working hard to make sure those are on card. 
Uh, but for the first player worn or game worn rookie relics to come during the beginning of the next season in flawless, I don't know. That's just inexcusable to me. Um, the Halliburton Photoshop I talked about earlier, you know, that gives me a little hope that we're going to get a good selection of current photos for guys that have changed teams. We saw a lot of rookies this year thanks to injuries and COVID protocols. I hope Chronicles makes it a point to include them. You know, it is, after all, a rookie-oriented release. Um, All in all, like I said at the start, I don't have a lot of optimism for where the manufacturing side of the hobby is going right now. I've talked about voting with your wallet before, but that can be hard to do when there's only one license to go around. Uh, I'm a team collector. I want new cards of the new guys on my team. So I'm just going to continue to find ways to enjoy the new releases you know, as best as I can. It might just be that I put together cheap silver sets from Prism and Optic for my refractor binder, and that's fine. That allows for some continuity without having to, you know, commit too much. But we'll see. You never know. Every once in a while, Panini surprises us. So I'll at least be on the watch. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, You know, something a little different today. I hope I was able to provide you with a realistic look at this year's release calendar. Maybe there was something I talked about today that resonated with you. Maybe you've ripped a lot of these products and you came away with a different impression than I did. You know, I'm just one guy. It's just one opinion. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast. I'm also on Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that, and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.